1: I'm upset. I hate to start a show off upset, but I'm upset because I missed the Doobie Brothers concert that was in town. Oh, how does that happen? It's my wife's fault. (laughs) So seriously, the, uh, I don't know, two or three weeks ago, she called me. I forget where I was. She called me and she goes, hey, hey, Groupon has got Doobie Brothers tickets on sale. And I'm like, great. Give me four. And so I just assumed that I had four tickets to go to the Doobie Brothers. And I think on the end of last week, first of this week, I said, so, so <laughs> did you get my Doobie Brothers ticket? She goes, no. Can you believe that? I missed the dude. Do- they were, okay. I'm, I'm crushed. I am. I love them. I, uh, I saw them the last time they were here. I think I took Taylor. We uh, went out. Don Felder was the opening act. So you got kind of a mini Eagles concert and then you got the Doobie Brothers. I mean, just great. It's a great group. How many of you went out? I'm jealous. All of you out there that went no, I'm very jealous of you because I just, I hate I missed it. But anyway. Okay, off my rant for today. <laughs> Welcome into Woods and Water, South Carolina. My name is Roger Metz. You're listening to 94.5 WGTK, The Answer in Greenville, South Carolina. And it's a wonderful day out there, isn't it? Man, fall, yeah, it seemed like summer held on forever. The fall, I think, is here to stay. In fact, we might just go directly to winter. <laughs> I don't know. Could be. You look at some of the temperatures lows for the next week or so and you're thinking that winter's here. But goodness, what a great time of the year. Although I, I oh, I'm kind of holding my breath because the leaf season could be like over and done in a couple of days. The, the leaves might just turn brown and drop. I don't know. The rain and the the temperatures and all might not be much of a leaf season, but goodness gracious, it's it's nice to have the weather. I'll take this cool weather any day, especially after the summertime. Of course when you know, March gets here. I'll be ready for summer again. We're, that's just human nature, right? We're never satisfied. Uh, it's been busy. Gosh, it's been busy. I know everybody's busy. Uh, I had an opportunity to go to the Strike King writers conference up on Kentucky Lake. Good time. Ate a lot of good food. In fact, we had a wild game dinner one night. Let's see. I had wild turkey, duck, venison, alligator. We had crappy fillets. We had some kind of seafood gumbo, and I don't know what all was in it, but it was really good, too. Uh, gosh, I can't remember what else we had. More than you could eat, let's put it that way. The thing about it is I came back out and gained any weight. That's, that's a big win. I can go eat like that and not gain weight. So, anyway, uh, good time at Strike King Writers Conference. Got to spend some time with Keith Combs, Mark Rose, and uh, Jonathan Van Dam, and Andy Montgomery. I came home early because of uh, Michael. I uh, was supposed to stay for three days, and I left after two and came on home just because I didn't know what was going to happen here. Not like I could stop anything from happening, but just wanted to be closer to home. So I missed a day. I um, hate I had to do that, but uh, I, Keith and I had a chance, and I, and I did this with Mark, and I did this with Jonathan. We um, pulled into an open boat slot in the uh, marina there and sat there and talked for you know, 10, 15 minutes. So you're going to hear a uh, third segment of the day, We're going to talk to Keith Combs, uh, Texas native. Loves to fish out there. Got some big fish lakes out there and they'll talk a little bit about that and a little bit about the upcoming, uh, season on the bass side. So that's third quarter. I mean, third quarter, <laughs> third. third. So you can look at this radio show like a football game, first quarter, second, third, halftime, third quarter, fourth quarter. You know, it works. We'll, will make do, but, uh, did that and stop by. Oh, stop by in Catalooch, North Carolina and saw the elk herd. Okay. It's the first time I've been up there. You know, what have they've been up there for, what, 10, 12, 15 years now? I I just, you know, all the time I was like, I just can't. I don't want to go up there and see an elk with a big old collar on his neck. That's just not what I'm used to. I'm used to seeing them out in Colorado or New Mexico or, you know, wherever else I've seen them out west in their native habitat, quote-unquote native habitat. And so I just didn't want to go up there and, and see them with big collars. But I did. I, it was perfect timing, came back through the mountains, uh, everything here was fine. Got some rain, but no wind damage. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna whip in here right quick. I think I got there at 5:30 because it's a it's a haul back in there now. Once you get off uh, with Highway 276 exit off of I-40 north of Asheville, it takes you about 30 to 35 minutes to drive. Once you turn off 276 back in to get to the valley, the entrance of the valley. It's a uh, uh, it's pay for part. And then it's uh, gravel for part and then it's paved again. Speed limits like twenty five miles an hour. It's kinda narrow in spots you have to let some people pass and all. But uh, just a just a really cool I mean I got in there and you know groundhog on the side of the road, first thing I saw, then I saw a bunch of turkeys and the first real field I came into there were the elk. And you know, there were some that were like ten feet from the car and there were some that were like two hundred yards from the car. Um, big bull out there, goodness gracious, I don't oh, know, seven by seven, eight by eight. There, there's a video on the Facebook page. If you go to Woods and Water South Carolina, the Facebook page, there's like a I don't know how long it is, it's a minute or so video of him bugling a couple of times and the rut's pretty much over. Uh, it is now for certain. Back in September, I understand there's a lot more bugling going on and chasing, and that's when you have to be careful. You know, there was there was a couple there and they came up now. Now, are we allowed to get out of our cars and i said you know i said stay on the road the fields are closed and there's signs they're saying that but it, when he's you know heavy in the rut and those cows are running around everywhere that's when you need to be careful of a bull elk Because you you're just an obstacle to get from here to his love interest on the other side of you and you but you know he bugled a few times because there was a, was a little raghorn bull that kind of hanging off to the side and uh he had a couple of cows down there one time. Low Bull kind of took a dislike into him and started trucking off that way and running the cows back into his herd. He bugled a couple times. It was really cool because it was the wind was blowing and it was cool and uh, I was just it, it was fun. I mean, yeah, they, a lot of them have tags and around you know, collars around their necks and tags in their ears, but it's a it's an opportunity for you to see something that normally you wouldn't see unless you got you know to the Colorado Rockies. Now you can go in Kentucky now and Tennessee and pennsylvania and they they reintroduced elk into their what used to be their native habitat that's why i kind of get the little quotation marks about you know their real habitat out west well they used to be here so and the really neat thing is when i came back out of the valley i mean all the way back out of the valley almost to the interstate and i look off to the field to the left and there's two bulls in that field and those are uh, satellites i guess probably got driven out by the herd bull and they're just kind of hanging out around the edges and that's what uh, has happened. That herd has grown. It's split now, and you've got some outliers. I know there's a, a section of them hanging out around Cherokee all the time. I had some buddies over there who were trout fishing, and the elk came across the river. And that was pretty cool. I wish I'd have been there. But uh just an interesting little side trip. You know, fall is here. The weather's great. I don't know what the leaves are going to be. But, it, you know, if you wanted to see something like that, and I think on a – and I this takes me back to some of my elk hunting trips out west. You know, on a cold morning, and you got those animals breathing. Of course, you're breathing, and you're – fogging up too but you know to see him out there and every time he'd bugle he'd get a little bit of that steam coming out of his nostrils and all it's just a really cool experience and you can get really close to him up there just remember they are still wild animals they're not pets although they so used to car traffic and people they appear that way so just just be careful that's that's kind of a cool little trip if you want to go up there during the leaf season it's busy now on the weekends it's really busy along that road because it's just an in and an out it's a dead end so be prepared, be courteous. You know, I was there on what a Thursday night and there was probably, I don't know, five or six vehicles back in there. So if you can go in the week, of course it's better weekends, just be prepared, be courteous to everybody early morning, late afternoons when they're going to be out there for the most part. Although I think they're some around all the time, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of what I've been doing. Well, that's not all I've been doing, but that's kind of the highlight of what I've been doing. Strike King. Elk and Catalooge. Gosh, there's so much news out there in the outdoors. Holy smoke, especially with professional bass fishing. And we'll get into, well, I don't think I'll get into much of that except to say this. The MLF has filled their filled out or supposedly filled their filled out. Now, one guy that was supposedly on the MLF has now changed and is going to be a Bassmaster Elite. It's Gary Klaus, owner of Phoenix Bass, Phoenix, Phoenix Boats. So. That should be settled. Uh, there, look, there are gonna, some guys in FLW gonna, who have been invited to be the elites. There have been in, invitations out to a lot of the bass open guys. Patrick Walters is one that I expect to see in the elite series next year. And uh, so, there's a lot out there <laughs> if you keep up with such stuff. And some of us are just crazy enough to do it day in and day out. But uh, so that's a little bit. We got a calendar of events coming up. We're gonna hear from Keith Combs in the third segment. And Then I got a few. Uh, Little interesting to cover in the last segment, so hang on through the break. More woods and water, South Carolina, on the other side. Yeah, body, 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 Welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina, where you're wanted more alive than dead if i'm wanted dead more than alive or something like that <laughs> oh what a great time to be alive fall is here yay and with fall comes some fall stuff you need to be thinking about doing so as we listen so we to keep that up i'm gonna start singing here and y'all really don't want to hear that happen <laughs> especially especially when my kids get on to me i'm sorry This is just a fun day. So just bear with me. My kids, I used to, I used to could sing. We had a little, my brother has a little band and I used to be singer. I used to sing with them and, and we did some, some fundraisers and just some fun stuff. Community based stuff. It was, it was neat. And, uh, but my voice just doesn't hit those high notes like it used to. I'm sorry. I can sing country good now. I just don't like country too much. But (laughs) anyway, I'm okay when the music's down where I can hear it, but sometimes I'll turn the music way up, kind of stress relief thing, and my kids, they sit there and just laugh at me, because obviously I lose touch with tone and all that, I'm all over the place, but yeah, y'all don't want to hear me start singing on the radio, so Mr. Engineer, I love listening to it, but if you ever see me start to sing, you just cut my mic off, yeah, hit the kill button, well, y'all will, y'all will thank him later. <laughs> uh, back to the calendar events and. As always brought to you by Visit Anderson Green Pond Landing and Event Center, which they're having a fishing tournament, actually a high school tournaments going on today. And there, one of Marty Walker's Powbutt Boat Center tournaments is there today. And then this coming week, they got the American, uh, the AFT and I, Af- oh, AFT American fishing team. It's an ABA tournament. It's, uh, going on this week. Uh, if you're interested in, in, you know, fishing, not just one of the tournaments you can afford to fish. As a, you know, guy who's just got a 40 hour a week job or whatever, go down there and look at it. It's, um, it's pretty interesting. I think the tournament's like Friday, Saturday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, maybe, but, uh, good deal down at Green Pond Landing and Event Center. You can, you can find more information if you go to visit Anderson.com. But you, did you know that we have the number two rated corn maize in the United States right here in Anderson, South Carolina, right down the road here at Denver Downs? They're voted and I got, I got the little thing here. They're voted number two. Corn maze in the U.S. against twenty others, and that's pretty cool. And actually, if you go to the Denver Downs website, they have a picture of it. This year, they got the John Deere corn maze. It's pretty doggone cool. I'm scared of corn mazes, so I won't be going down there. But for you, the you know family type things that want to do it, you know you can do this at night too. But they, I would I would suggest doing it there in the daytime. But that's totally up to you. Uh, but Denver Downs is a cool place to go right down here in Anderson, South Carolina. Uh, celebrate John Deere's 100th anniversary is our theme for this year's maze. It's the 15th year they've had the corn days and they've got, uh, theme trivia questions posted throughout the maze and special weekend with fireworks, overalls contest, farm strong competition, a touch a tractor day, which is pretty cool. 10 acre corn maze. (laughs) Yeah. And you can do it at night. I don't think so, but okay. But they got a picture of it here. John Deere, 100 years. Ag Pro map of the United States, kind of like. And then they got a big old eight-wheel John Deere tractor is the corn maze. That is pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So that's a good one. They got a mil- – also happening down at, at uh, Denver Downs on uh, the weekend of November 2nd through the 4th is a Military Timeline Weekend. Take a step back in history and witness encampments of different military eras in U.S. history, including Revolutionary Civil War, World War I, II, Korea, Vietnam, and some modern-era displays. Talk with reenactors from these time periods and discover what life was like during that time for our military. Civil War reenactment battles Saturday and Sunday at three o'clock. Takes me back to that movie Sweet Home Alabama, where she's walking through the field looking for her daddy. Uh, so, a weapons demonstration, flag demonstrations, all the other stuff that's um, happening. During, that's the weekend of November second through the fourth, and then they have just like the regular attractions. Okay, get ready for this. If you this is this has got. Almost absolutely nothing to do with hunting, fishing, hiking, camping, other than just a good time outdoors in the fall in South Carolina. So, some of the attractions: bouncy balls. They have a corn box, which is like corn kernels, so like a sandbox with corn. They got the corn maze. You can milk a cow. They got a cow train. A farm. They play farm soccer. They got a goat walk, hay rides, uh, farm animals, farm football, petting zoo, kitty corral, pig races, pumpkins, a rat roller. That looks like a tube that you're kind of in. You kind of walking in straw barn, spider webs. That's pretty cool. Story about that from my childhood terrifies me about spider webs. Beeline, like a cornhole, kids' corral, pumpkin bowling, bonfires. Petty, just goes on and on and on. Round bell run, giant tube slide. So, if you you know you just want something family oriented to do, go look at Denver Downs. It it looks like fun. If I were 10 years old, I'd probably be down there every weekend. But I'm not, and some of this stuff would probably hurt the next day. So, anyway, just a good family time to get out. All right. Uh, the Friends of the Edisto River is having their membership celebration on October 27th. Uh, let's see. On October 27th, join us at the Friends of the Edisto return to the river stage at the Orangeburg Arts Center on the tank, banks of the beautiful North Fork of the Edisto for our annual, annual membership celebration. They got uh, music and barbecue and ex- exhibitions and more. Uh, Friends of the Edisto is a is a nonprofit organization based in Columbia, South Carolina, and they work to uh, maintain the natural and cultural resources of the Edisto River Basin. And it's pretty cool. The Edisto River is a neat a neat feature here in South Carolina. So, if you are interested in the Friends of the Edisto River, there you go. Save the date, October twenty seventh. Uh, I missed this, and it's just been so busy. I understand why I missed it. Shellfish season, you know. Oysters, yeah, opened October the 1st, uh, but it, it includes more noises. Clams, oysters, mussels, and other bivalves. Uh, and coastal waters for South Carolina will open one half hour before official sunset on Monday, October 1st. So we're a little bit into it. And let me give you an op- okay. Months with R's are good oyster months. So September, October, November, December, and then you get to January, and you're like, uh, missed that one. But let me tell you what, January oysters are some of the best. The water's cold. The oysters are big. <laughs> and a cold, salty, raw oyster eaten on the bank of Lighthouse Creek, backside of Folly Beach, is just, it's just nothing compared to it. Although I'm still looking for the guy that ate the, first, ate the first oyster. When I get to heaven, I want to meet him and I want to ask him the question everybody else What made you want to pry that thing apart and eat what's inside? It does not look appetizing, but boy, they're good. So anyway, oyster season is open. Uh, you can go to the Sacramento Department Rep. Natural resources. They have uh, state shellfish grounds for both commercial and recreational harvesting. Uh, there are 20 public shellfish grounds and 13 state f- shellfish grounds managed exclusively for recreational gathering. So, if you've never done it, it's kind of fun. Um, and there's another 53 state shellfish grounds managed for recreational and commercial harvest. So, there's a lot of it. So, there's if you go to the DNR website, there is a recreational map web application that you can go to that shows you where you can go to oyster, uh, clam, whatever you want to do. And uh, and I encourage you, if you've never done it, you know, do things one time except for drugs. You know, you don't do not do those one time because sometimes you don't come back from that. But oystering is fun. You know, I did the shrimping thing. Let me tell you what. Shrimping's fun, okay? it's buddies, you're having a good time. Let me tell you what's e- way easier. And you can go to them right now. You can call them Livingston's Bull Bay Seafood in McClellanville, South Carolina. It's a haul. It is, but for $3.75 a pound, you can buy 1620 shrimp head-on right off the boat. You have to buy 50 pounds. Okay, so do the math. That's like $170, but you get 50 pounds of 1620. That's 16 to 20 shrimp per pound. Those are the big ones, you know, six, seven inch per shrimp. And all you got to do is pinch the head. And like, um, oh gosh, I can't remember that gentleman's name who owns Carolina Seafood. I interviewed one time. He said, you know, a fresh frozen shrimp thawed one time is just as good as when it was fresh. So if here here's my tip for shrimp. You take them, you head them, you put however many you want per serving and you go buy those little glad or hefty sandwich containers and you put your shrimp in there headed. Don't wash them off with chlorinated water, people. In fact, don't wash them off at all. They come off the boat, they're packed in ice, you put them in a the cooler, you bring them home, don't wash them at all. Take them out, head them, put them however many you want into Plastic containers, and then get you some, you know, some spring water, natural water, whatever. Just don't use chlorinated water. Fill up those containers so when you push the top down on it, water squirts out around the side. That makes sure all the air is out of there. Stick those things in the freezer; they're good six, eight months from now. And that's why I say it makes it worthwhile to go buy fifty pounds. Find somebody will take ten pounds here, ten pounds there, leave you with twenty to thirty pounds, and it makes for a great wintertime, springtime, fresh seafood type deal. So, yeah, I'm. I'm, the the shrimping in Charleston Harbor and all that are deep holing now. Was, yeah, I've had enough of that. I go to my club and i will buy mine right off the boat. It's a lot easier. And you still get a little work out of it. So you still feel like you earned it kind of thing. So, shellfish is in. All right. October 30th, there's an Ace Basin waterfowl workshop hosted by the Clemson Extension Office. Uh, Tuesday, October the 30th from 8 a.m. to 3 o'clock p.m. It's a Nemers Plantation in Yamasee, South Carolina. If you're interested in ducks, uh, learn about waterfowl management basics as well as recent results of ongoing waterfowl projects at Nemours Plantation across South Carolina. The workshop concludes with a uh, field tour there at the plantation. And you can choose moist soil and brackish water wetlands in Bear Island, brackish water wetlands with emphasis on invertebrates at Bear Island, or field crop management at Clarendon Farm. So get a hold of the Clemson Extension Office. Really, that's another good website you can go to for more stuff to do. Is a Clemson extension. Now if you think it's all ag related or cows or horses, whatever, it's not. It's just some really good stuff in there. Uh, November the 4th, Isle of Palms Marina Festival. Go beaching a little bit. Sunday from 1 to 6. Uh, they're going to have all sorts of activities kayaking, uh, mini safari, jet skiing, eco tours, paddle boarding, cornhole, uh, face painting. They got door prizes, live music, raffles. The Isle of Palms Marina Festival, November 4th, 1 to 6. And another thing happened around the state of South Carolina is the state championship qualifying youth coon hunts planned around the state. I, I don't coon hunt. Never got into it. Casey Ashley loves to coon hunt. Got a neighbor's son who just, he coons on every time he can. So, um, uh, it's sponsored by the South Carolina Coon Hunters Association, participating in regional clubs and chapters will begin in October and continue throughout the fall and winter, culminating with the South Carolina Youth Raccoon Hunting Championship hosted by the Department of Natural Resources. And that's at the Web Law, Web Law Life Center in March of next year. So they start November the 3rd, uh, October 20th, actually, today. November the 3rd, November the 10th, December 9th, 15th, 12th, 26th, February 2nd, 9th. I don't know if there's any opportunity to uh, kind of hang out with the uh, in the gallery, but I uh, certainly wouldn't. would uh, Let's see. Oh, yeah. Scholarships. Goodness gracious. So pretty cool another happening in south carolina all right that's the second quarter come back the third quarter we're going to listen to keith combs talk about the upcoming year on the bass elite schedule a little bit of texas fishing and then i'll be back on the fourth quarter wrap up with a few more things around the state hang on more woods and water south conley coming right up It's a little cloudy, a little bit of rain around, and Kentucky Lake is not what it used to be. So we, uh, you know, here for the Writers Conference, had an opportunity to get out on the boat with Keith Combs this morning. Keith, uh, good time talking.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we got to talk on some interesting stuff. Yeah, we did.
1: A lot of interesting things going on out there to talk about. There is. Uh, take just a minute. Tell us about yourself. I'm a Texas native, and uh, everything's bigger in Texas, but tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: Uh, well, uh, as far as my fishing career, this, uh, this next season on the Elite Series will be my, uh, 12th year as a, as a full-time pro. Uh, but, uh, you know, growing up in Texas and around tournament fishing, uh, that's really all I've ever known from the time I was 13 on. Um, but, uh, now we reside in East Texas, uh, down at Lake Sam Rayburn, and I love being in that part of the world, but, uh, you know, I've lived all over the state of Texas, grew up in the Central Park fishing the, some probably the tougher lakes of, of Texas. And uh, when I started my professional career, I moved out to uh, south and west Texas, Lake Amistad, and spent a lot of time on Lake Falcon and kind of honed my skills and made a living guiding out there for a few years. And uh, that's what's brought me to this point. Yeah, you've been on the Elite Series. You, you fished the FLW Series starting off. And we talked this morning about how
1: you got into tournament fishing. And it, it's it's a focused goal with you.
0: How do you get started? Well, uh, from, from the get-go, I guess, uh, sometime around the age of 13, I got introduced to, uh, uh, tournament fishing. And I was already a, a, a real big fisherman, uh, just didn't know, didn't really understand the, that, that a guy could go out and by catching bass, uh, have a chance to make a living. But at 13, I got introduced to that and just got consumed with the whole thought of, of, Doing that, and uh, it really at, at that point in my life, I had no idea how to accomplish it, but I made that my goal. And it, it took uh 19 years for me to get to the point where, um, you know, I was ready to, th- to take the leap and financially, uh, at the age of 32, um, had an opportunity to, to start. And uh, yeah, I gave up, you know, everything, uh, moved away from friends family because i needed to be on a lake where i could guide uh so i moved you know four five hours um, away to west texas um put my house that i had on the market quit a good job and said you know i'm gonna make it work or 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 I'll, i guess i'll go back to, to doing what i was doing but uh, it worked out pretty good
1: you know there's a lot of things going on in, in professional bass fishing and uh you wrote a great article about staying with the elites. And that's where you're going to be in 2019. We talked a little bit about that, and you know, a lot, until a lot of the a lot of the facts come out to a lot of people, there's still a lot of questions out there. But take us through your 2019 on the elite series. What's it going to be like?
0: First, from a fish from the elite standpoint, and then from a fan standpoint. Well, uh, from a fisherman's standpoint, it, it's gonna be, uh, it's, it's definitely gonna be different. One of the main things that'll be different is gonna be a smaller field. Uh, Bass knows that they can do a better job of promoting 70 anchors than they can 100. Um, and that's gonna be something that, it's gonna be nice. It's gonna be nice to fish on that smaller field. It's gonna open up. Uh, opportunities to fish great lakes that maybe aren't as big um, and even the big lakes is going to open them up for better fish catches that's going to be good for the fans um, so that's going to be one of the main changes you know. And, and Bass could open up the field with the payback that they're throwing on the table right now, they could open up the field and have 140 anglers but they want to make sure that they have quality fishermen and that's what I want to compete against um, you know will we have as stout a field as we we fished against in 2017 and 2018? no I mean you you there's some talent that will not be replaced in a year but for the kind of money that we're going, going to be competing against and considering um, we're going to have a smaller field going forward you know, that talent pool will will replenish faster than people think uh, there's a lot of great fishermen out there that you know look at the money that's in professional fishing, or have looked at the money that's in professional fishing in the past years and say, you know what, I, I think I can do better for my family elsewhere. But uh, for the money that's on the table right now, it could influence their decision a lot more. So you're, the, the talent is going to come out of the woodworks, is what I'm saying. Um, from a fan perspective, I think the things that they're going to appreciate the most is, uh, you know, it's, it's good to see some new faces. There's some that you're going to miss, but, uh, you know, Hey, I, I throw a, a crankbait bait a lot. So if you watch me on the Elite Series, that's probably what I'm doing if I'm if I'm on TV. Um, so you, you kind of know my fishing style, and you're going to get an opportunity to see guys with with new styles, new things, more things you can implement into into your fishing as a fan. Um, and but probably the biggest thing that I think fans are going to be excited about is the Elite Series is again taking the stance that we're going to go to the best lakes, is the best times. So we're going to bring you the best fish catches, and uh, that gets me excited. As I'm a fan of this sport, also.
1: You know, you were you were talking about this year. The, it's going to be an adjustment year, competition levels. But you got to, th- you say in three years
0: that the competition on the elite side is going to be as good as it's ever been. Yeah, you'll see. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying it's not going to be competitive. There's there's 40 guys that are making a good living on the elite series that will be coming back to a 70-man field. you got some strong guys coming up from the opens that are hungry, very hungry. Uh, and there's going to be 10 or so more slots that I'm not exactly sure how Bass is going to fill them, but I guarantee you they're going to do it the right way, and they're going to have a qualifying criteria, and they're going to get a good group of anglers. So it's going to be very competitive this year. But what you're going to see is it all goes back to there's more money in the sport right now than – than than there ever has been as far as payout for the angers go. With that kind of money, more people can make the adjustment and say, you know, I think I'm going to try this professional bass fishing thing. And we all know, I mean, every everybody that fishes the Elite Series, I'm sure you got somebody in your head, and probably everybody out there listening knows somebody who's good enough to make it. But just like a fisherman like myself it took me 19 years from the time I knew I wanted to do it to the time I could afford to do it but you look at what you can make uh, if you can qualify I think it's a lot easier to make that decision Um, the other reason I say that field is going to get stouter quicker is we fished uh, a larger field in the past we fished as many as 111 anglers well you get some people that are they are they good fishermen yes or they wouldn't be there But it gets a little stagnant at the bottom when you have that many. Um, When you have 70 or 80 and you're cutting 10 every year, you're going to get the best of the best really quick, or you're going to get replaced, and that's just the nature of the game. You know, I'd hate to think that, you know, I've worked this hard to get there and and I got cut one year. But at the same time, uh, it's very important that – it's very important to me that i fish against a really stout field too so i understand that principle i'm excited about it
1: sam rayburn great lake gonna get out there and fish it one of these years yeah what makes rayburn so good because guys from south carolina you know we fish hartwell murray got some good lakes but as far as a destination lake what makes rayburn so good
0: I would say uh, year in and year out, uh, hydrilla is uh, one of the things that makes it a great lake. That really spikes the bait fish population. Uh, Rayburn is just very fertile, and we have hydrilla that grows every year, some years better than others. That's one of the main things. Um, and just like a lot of really great lakes that we, we have in Texas, uh, they go through big fluctuations in water level, so typically in the spring. uh so, a typical spring on Rayburn, the lake will be way up in the pine trees. Uh, so you have acres of flooded buckbrush, willow trees, and and grass that the fish can move into. They can spawn without um, really anybody pressuring them, and then the fry have a, a great greater chance of survival. So. Um, you know, in, in the spring we have a, we've have the high water on a lot of years, and that really gives the fish an opportunity to take care of their their spawning business. Um, once the spawn is over, the hydrilla is flourishing, so they can come out and uh, you know if, if you, you know probably better than anybody, uh, being from the Carolinas, that you have a lot of big fish in your lakes. But if you don't have a lot of cover in the lake, um, a fish has to work really hard to get big and, and get food and um he has to focus his whole life on 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 catching catching a meal but if you got a lake that's full of grass and full of cover that lake that fish has got a pretty easy life he's a lot more apt to bite and uh so not only do we got you know great fishing a great fish in the lake they're they're biters so the Ravens river's a pretty good place to be best time of the year in your opinion to go out there and fish it Best time is honestly is, is whenever you get there. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, serious because I've had great days in September and October. Uh, I fished the lake last Wednesday and had a 35 pound day. Uh, but you know, if, if, if you're a guy that's never been there before, just, just wanting to go at the, the peak bite, uh, I would say, um, sometime between, uh, Early March and uh, probably early May.
1: Okay, good. You just finished up the third annual uh, fishing tournament that you you host and work a, a lot on there, there on Sam Rayburn. Tell us a, a little bit about the tournament and who it benefits.
0: Um, well, who it benefits is Warriors Weekend. Uh, that's a that's a foundation that uh, is uh, is based kind of in that South Texas region. Uh, they do a lot to help uh, help. Veterans and soldiers, uh, that just need, uh, you know, just need some help in their lives. And, uh, you know, if you haven't, if a person doesn't, hasn't heard of that organization, um, you know, just check them out online. I think you'll, you'll understand why we put the tournament on once you kind of see what they do. But, um, we, uh, this is the third year. We've had three successful tournaments, raised a lot of money for their foundation, and, um, and we've given the, um, you know, the fishermen in my area, just, just another tournament to come fish. We've had as many as 170 teams come out to the events, Um, and it's just a one day shootout. It's, uh, it generally takes about 28 pounds to win. So these, you, you get some really serious fishermen out last year. Uh, fishing's a little bit tougher this year, uh, last week, but, uh, last year it took 20 pounds just to get a paycheck. Oh. Well, look, you're going to be in South
1: Carolina here in uh, about six months or so. Lake Hartwell, how, do you think it's going to fish in, and when y'all are here in April?
0: Well, um, I fished two classics on Hartwell and one was an extremely cold one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was tough. We
1: remember that one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and this past year, it was tough again in the classic. Um, but, um, you know, weather permitting, I think we're, we're going to be there at a time that sets up very well to show off Hartwell. Um, you know, I, I, I have had a, a really, I had a, a good classic there, and, and this past year's classic wasn't real good for me. But um, I, uh, I, I know the potential Hartwell has, and I think um, I think everything sets up to uh, show that potential off this year. Well, we're looking
1: forward to having you guys here. Uh, looking forward to the 2019 series on the elite series, and
0: uh, and can't wait to see you walk across the stage. Well, I'm looking forward to it also, and it's just around the corner. It seems like it gets closer. Gets gets here sooner every year.
1: <laughs> I think that's because you look forward to it as much as
0: you do. Well, I appreciate it. Look,
1: I had a good day. You know, I might have to come down to Rayburn. If, uh, I'm, I'm going to try to pick a day when you're around. Maybe we can get out there and you show me the lake.
0: That sounds good. I'd sure like to show you around that lake, and I, I guarantee you, you'll love it. All right. Appreciate it, you. <laughs>
1: My imagination, or did he play more Doobie Brothers this than normal? I'm gonna you just wait, you wait till this show ends at what 350 59 50. I'm coming through that door. Right over there. <laughs> oh, me, uh, this this show is nothing but fun. I'm sorry. Okay, did you know that the local hikers in, in Spartanburg, South Carolina now has rental gear? You know, one of the, one of the best things I do this time is just go walking in the woods. Now, whether it's carrying a gun deer hunting or, or walking wherever or around the house at the farm or whether I go on a, a hike somewhere and I'm planning on going on a couple here in the next few weeks. Uh, you know, it, a lot of people don't know how to get from where they are to the cover of a magazine. You know, it's, it's that way throughout the outdoors because you can spend a lot of money. Trust me. You can spend a lot of money getting involved in pretty much anything. So, it's nice when you have a company like Local Hiker, who's got the stuff you can go rent. Look, you go in there; they'll help you. You get to try the stuff on. You get to try it out in the woods, on the trail, wherever you're going to go before you actually have to buy it. And you kind of—it's—it's it's neat. So the Local Hikers, Spartanburg, South Carolina, rental gear. Check them out this fall, spring, whenever you're getting in the woods. Uh, they'll help you out. Good bunch of people. Michael Silverman. Uh, he, in fact, he owes me a whole show because we're going to do one on backpacking. And what you needed to backpack. So I got to get a hold of him. He's busy. I'm busy. Gosh, we're all busy. Okay. I'm sure we all are. That's why, that's why time outdoors is so precious. Yeah. You know, we talked about oyster season opening. Uh, there's an oyster recycling and restoration program here, program here in South Carolina. It's been going on for a bunch of years. And if, and a lot of times you go low tide, uh, a lot of times around boat ramps and all, you'll see like a mesh bag thing with oyster shells inside. And that's, that's a, that's a bed. Oyster bed because they, they regrow and it gives the new oyster something to attach to and you get a new oyster bed growing there. Um, oysters a harvestable and renewable resource. Uh, an adult adult oyster filters up to two and a half gallons of water per hour, fifty gallons uh, up to fifty gallons a day. They build reefs, which provide habitat for fish. Yeah, if you've ever been red fishing and found fishing in Charleston, the backside of an oyster rake on whatever tide, it's a great place to fish. You just, you're just going to lose some tackle, okay? It's a good idea. Uh, let's see. Uh, they use eros- erosion control. I'm just kind of leafing through this article because this is a long one. Um, recycling do's and don'ts, because a lot of people are going to have oyster roast or you might want to put on an oyster roast. Here's some tips to help you. Do separate shells from trash, okay? Because you have recycling bins, they don't want your trash in there. They just want the oyster shells. Uh, leave only the shells in the bins. Don't throw the bags in there with it. Uh, do bring your shells to the nearest Shell Recycling Center. Uh, there are maps on the DNR website. Don't put live oysters in South Carolina waters. If the oysters you purchase were harvested outside South Carolina, it is illegal to place them in South Carolina waters. Placing imported imported oysters in our waters can create environmental problems and may harm local oysters or other animals. Don't put freshly shucked oyster shells in South Carolina waters. To avoid contamination, shells should be recycled and properly quarantined for six months. Okay. Let's see. There's uh, Richland County. There are two bins, one at Clothing World, one at City Roots. In Kershaw County, there's a bin at Hook Seafood. Uh, Darlington County, Hartsville bin at Kalmya Gardens. Florence County. Uh, Herbie Street, to uh, Pamlico Highway. Oh, uh, let's see. Okay. Thompson Logistics is where the bin is. North Myrtle Beach at Platts Seafood. Myrtle Beach Bend at 21st Avenue North. Surfside Beach at the Fire Department. Uh, Georgetown County, Murrells Inlet at the Garden City Fire Department. Clam Bake Landing and Waccamaw Bri- River Bridge. Berkeley County at Gilligan's Restaurant. Monk's Corner at Gilligan's at the Dock, Dorchester at the Jessen Boat Landing, Charleston's got one at Town Hall, the Garris Landing, Isle of Palms Marina, Sweetgrass, Basket Parkway, Red's Ice House, Charleston Outdoor Catering, Sola Boat Landing, uh, Fort Johnson Road at the DNR office there, uh, St. John's Bend at Gilligan's Restaurant, Wadma- uh, Wadmalaw Island at Bear's Bluff Fish Hatchery, And the Edisto Island Bend is, um, let's see, approximately 12 miles from the Dawu Bridge. Cotton County, uh, the Beltline Recycling Center, Beaufort County, the County Public Works Office, Trask Landing, uh, Coastal Discovery Museum, Sands Beach Boat Landing, Glen Boat Landing at Lemon Island, Hunting Island at Rust Point and St. Helena, Ladies Island Bend. So, you know, make an effort if you've got... An oyster roast going on to recycle those things because they do. Um, you know, you're, you're, don't just throw them away because you can use them, create more habitat, create more oysters. And, uh, generally, you know, hey, it helps clean water, right? Okay. Get rid of that one. Okay. Real quick. Gosh, this thing, you know, I've got an article, proper disposable deer remains seven reasons culling bucks doesn't work. That's a good one. Um, might not get. Okay. It's deer season. There are a lot of hunters in the woods. There's a lot of first time hunters in the woods. There have been a lot of first time hunters already harvested deer this year. And I want to say something right now, because I think I I don't know that I've said this before, but I need, when I talk about hunting here on this show, and I know there are a lot of people out there that don't hunt. Look, I, it's just what I grew up with. It's my heritage. It's, uh, as I get older, it really doesn't matter if I shoot something. I mean, my wife, likes me to shoot something every once in a while because it's we eat the venison that's that's the reason i pull a trigger i don't pull a trigger just to harvest a set of antlers i mean a nice set of antlers i run across about every three or four years because i'm not really a good hunter i just i'm lucky that i i'm in the woods and our paths cross but most of the time it's a it's a couple of does and we use that venison and chili and spaghetti and anywhere we use ground beef um, i'm not much into cube steak venison or anything i just don't know how to fix it right and Therefore, I just grind most of it up. And I know that's heresy for a bunch of you deer hunters out there. I'm sorry. That's just what we do at my house. But when I talk about hunting and I talking about harvesting a deer or shooting a duck or, or whatever, or dove hunting, it is done with the utmost respect on my end. It is not done because I'm a glory hound and I want to shoot the biggest deer out there or I want to brag about how many ducks I killed. It's not about that. It's about experience and a trophy a trophy a lot of times has a bad connotation because this trophy means oh you just went out there for the biggest one you could get and you paid a lot of money to get it and there's a lot of that going on and that's perfectly legal a trophy is what you you know it, it's a it's a certain hunt it's a a culmination of things um, I don't use trail cameras because I, I want I want to go in the woods and be happy just being in the woods I don't want to be disappointed because the deer I have on trail cameras for four days show up this morning because I didn't take a shower this morning, and I stink, and he smelled me. You know, It's probably your own fault you didn't see that deer. A lot of people use trail cameras, just not for me. So when you hear me talking about hunting in here, it is not a glory thing. It is not a rub it in your face because I'm a hunter and I'm going to kill something. It is, I do this out of respect. Hunting is conservation because without my license sales, there's not money to make sure that resource is there. White-tailed deer, turkeys, wood ducks—that's why I do it. Because I love nature. I love the animals, and and you got to control them. And hunting is the way to control populations. Without hunting, you get rampant populations. Disease takes over, and that's that's something I can't stand. I can't stand seeing an animals suffer, and that's why I choose my shots very carefully. So, some, uh, ways to ruin a great hunting photo, and these are really for you first-time hunters out there. It's an exciting time. There a camera takes a phone takes a great picture nowadays so brian grossman wrote this article a couple years ago and he's been on the show we talked about it i think last year and it's look here's just a couple things when you're taking that picture you didn't keep it safe number one you know know where your rifle is know where the muzzle of that gun is you see pictures all the time the gun laid across the deer and it's pointed right at the person it may be unloaded Somebody looking at the picture doesn't know that. So, first of all, keep it safe, okay? Know where that gun is pointed. You didn't keep it tasteful. Look, it takes very little time to clean up a deer to take a good picture, okay? And you know what I mean. Carry a bottle of water with you. You didn't keep it natural. You know, blend in the surroundings. Make it part of the picture. You didn't get the lighting right. You know, turn a face into the sun so you get the face and not shadows. And You didn't take enough pictures. You know, don't snap one or two. Go ahead, take some time, enjoy the moment, because that's a first. There'll never be another one for that hunter. Take your time, enjoy it, frame it, The last a lifetime. And that's it for another day on Woods and Water, South Carolina. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate all you that do. Take time to get out there, people. Take the back roads, man, because that's where our state of South Carolina comes alive. Don't forget that camera. I'll see you back here next Saturday with more Woods and Water, South Carolina.